Coming up on HIGMT, we talk Gigafactory Texas and Tesla sales trends. Welcome to How I Got My Tesla, the podcast of indeterminate length for Saturday, August 8th, 2020, episode two in Ottawa, Ontario. I'm Matt Wilson. Let's start off with five Tesla things you should know. Cybertruck 2? Yeah, it seems that multiple online reports are suggesting that an alternative Cybertruck may be in the works in the event that the Cybertruck does not sell well due to its looks. The Cybertruck 2 would be more conventional in design, but would retain the Cybertruck's powertrain. Now, for me personally, I think this is going to be a long shot. Uh, there have been so many pre-orders ranging from 200,000 to almost a million uh, interested people looking to get their hands into a uh, into a Cybertruck. And um, I'm pretty sure that uh, this might be just one of those things that Elon might say just to placate people who are always questioning whatever it is that he's doing. I think people who are buying uh, or maybe even leasing this truck uh, really fell in love with the looks, uh, whether it was uh, at the launch or uh, maybe shortly thereafter, enough to put down, yes, it's only a $100 deposit and they can get that fully refunded. But I think um, the unique design of the Cybertruck is such that people who want to be noticed whether you have a business or you just want to flaunt yourself uh, while driving around town, uh, they're really, really interested in getting a Cybertruck. So I'd be very surprised if there's actually uh, a Cybertruck 2 that will be released. Um, Elon also mentioned that uh, a smaller Cybertruck uh, could be in the works, something that's maybe a quarter ton size rather than a half ton size uh, based off of the F-150 um, that could be in the works, but that could also be several years away. So we'll have to see what happens on that front. Hey, so you want to try out a Tesla for free? Well, if you head out over to British Columbia starting this week, Tesla will be starting to offer touchless self-guided tours across her four vehicle fleet. Uh, once assigned, you'll be having a Tesla advisor provide instructions remotely to any interested customers. And this is all in an effort so that British Columbia can phase out internal combustion vehicles to vehicles with zero emissions by 2040. This is really great news for anybody who is interested in getting a Tesla, but are not comfortable dealing with anybody in the COVID environment that we're currently living in. Website electric.co has Tesla expanding sales presence into new markets. As part of their article, Tesla is continuing targeted sales expansion within North America and abroad. In particular, local to the Ottawa region, they are looking to open up a uh, sales center in Laval, Quebec, in addition to the existing one in Montreal. And they had also noted that Tesla is looking for sales advisors in the Ottawa area, which would indicate that a new showroom is going to be in Ottawa somewhere. Now, anyone who has taken ownership of a Tesla here in Ottawa, uh, I think as of January, there has been a service center that has actually opened up off of Carling Avenue, uh, where you take delivery of your Tesla and probably get it serviced as well. Um, it's actually located behind an old Honda dealership, and uh, the current tenant of that dealership has set up cubicles in the showroom. Uh, looks like an insurance company. A lot of the speculation online regarding this announcement or these job postings point to Tesla possibly taking over this dealership and turning it into a uh, Tesla showroom. 
I'm not exactly sure if that's actually going to happen. Uh, the building looks very dated, very old. I really doubt that Tesla will want to dump a whole bunch of money into a building that eventually will get flattened anyways. You see, that property is beside a uh, light rail station, and it's actually owned by, uh, I, I believe the property is owned by one of the major developers here in Ottawa. And uh, I'm pretty sure with all the development that's going on there, that developer is more interested in turning that parcel of land into maybe a 30, 40, 50 story high rise residential building rather than leaving it as a Tesla showroom. So I'm going to keep an eye out in the event that the current tenant vacates the building and it looks like Tesla is going to be moving in. Uh, but I really do think that Tesla will probably look for another location uh, or another building where uh, that is a little bit newer rather than taking on a building that is probably over 30, maybe even 40 years old with all sorts of internal issues. Website teslarati.com has pegged the Tesla Model 3 as being the fastest selling secondhand car in the United States. As part of their article, they engaged with car search engine iccars.com and took a look at over 9 million car transactions for used vehicles between 2015 and 2019 model year, whereas the average vehicle would sell within around 69 days, a Tesla Model 3 would be sold in about 29 days. Comparatively, when you're looking at a Tesla Model X, that'll be uh, listed for 47 days, and a Model S would be listed for 51 days before actually being bought. This article is really great for both the purchaser and the uh, prospective buyer. It shows that uh, if you're looking to offload, whether it be a Tesla of any model, the chances of it being sold rather quickly, especially if it's a Model 3, you're going to have really great success uh, versus maybe an internal combustion counterpart. And it's also great news for, uh, for prospective buyers who may not be able to afford uh, an electric vehicle but still want to make that switch they can possibly pick up one uh, rather quickly on uh, the used car market and finally if you ever find yourself lost in a sea of teslas and you're not exactly sure which one is yours and you find yourself reaching for your remote uh, you might be in for some good news uh, particularly if you're in china tesla is now offering a wrapping service to change the color of your vehicle from the standard five colors that they are offering to an unknown amount of colors. I'm not exactly sure how many colors they are available, but I'll provide a link to the electric.co uh, article in my show notes. So let's talk Gigafactory Texas. As most of you already know, Tesla finalized the purchase of 21 acres of land just outside of Austin. Um, the acreage is about five minutes away from the international airport and about 15 minutes away from downtown Austin. I uh, did some quick calculations and to buy 2,100 acres in Ottawa would cost Tesla about $500 million US. So they got a really good deal down in Texas to buy 2,100 acres for only $5 million. Now, when you look at the property that was actually purchased, um, it's comprised of several parcels of land and it straddles one of the major toll highways i think it's texas highway 130 so it'll be very interesting to see what's going to happen to all the other parcels of land that they purchased the, the vast majority of the property is actually contained on one side of the highway but when you look at the parcels that was actually purchased there are 
sporadic parcels on the other side of the highway. I'm not exactly sure what Tesla's gonna do with those sporadic parcels of land that were included in this purchase. It'll be interesting to see if they use it for manufacturing or for inventory control or whether they'll just sell them off individually. Now there are existing businesses within the project area and I believe that there is an agreement that they are able to operate until the land that they currently occupy is actually gonna be needed. Now for size comparison, the land purchased was about the same size as Gigafactory 1 in Nevada, but Texas has more usable space just because of the topography in Nevada has basically constrained them into one specific location. Anybody interested in seeing the size comparison uh, across the world with all their Gigafactories, Twitter user at BrandDude87 has a size uh, comparison of the land purchase, so I'll include that link in the show notes. I think Elon also mentioned that there's going to be an ecological paradise included in this, in the uh, in the purchase of the property. This is a pretty standard condition, uh, especially when you're dealing with a natural habitat such as the Colorado River. And there's actually a Colorado River corridor plan, and I'll include that also in the show notes. It's a quite extensive study that would force developers to provide recreational linkages along the river corridor. And there's probably also some uh, remediation that is required as part of this development to further enhance the Colorado River in this area. So like I said, anybody who's interested in looking at the, uh, at the corridor plan that was uh, completed. Uh, I'll include that as a show note item as well. I've also been combing through the city of Austin's website in terms of development applications. And uh, I think that there's only a zoning amendment that seems to be currently in the works to permit the eventual use, but I could not find any released site plan application yet. So I'm not sure what the overall layout of the site's going to be, how much is going to be actually included in this first phase of development. Uh, I think that's still being discussed with um, planning staff. Anybody who is interested in the overall construction of the site, I'll point you over to YouTube. And uh, Jeff Roberts has daily drone footage of the area that is currently under construction. And I'll leave his information in the show notes as well. So for those who are looking at Jeff Roberts' Uh, drone footage on YouTube and you're curious like, what exactly it is that you're seeing. Uh, it, it appears that there is a contractor who's already been assigned to basically level out the a large portion of the 2,100 acres that were purchased. Now when I say level out, they just can't arbitrarily just put fill everywhere and just kind of level it out. They have to do it uh, methodically. They have to do it systematically. So that's why you see a lot of soil con uh, consolidation that's going on on site. There's also dewatering of the old storm ponds and swamped areas. I'm not sure exactly what the previous land use was, but uh, there seems to be a lot of dewatering that's going on. And also uh, really important is the removal of any organic. So you're going to see uh, all the existing vegetation is basically going to be stripped out. They're probably going to stockpile some of the topsoil because that's pretty valuable in terms of development of the site. And um, basically leveling out the entire site, compacting it, putting it to grade, and getting it ready for um, another contractor to come in to actually start the construction of the factory and all the supporting infrastructure. And finally, Tesla is outselling the next three electric vehicle automakers combined. 
Electrek.co has an article indicating that Tesla currently enjoys having 28% of the market share in the EV space, uh, second to Renault-Nissan with 10%, the Volkswagen Group with 10%, and Hyundai-Kia has around 7%. With more conventional automakers basically dipping their toes into the EV space, these numbers will probably most likely change but will consumers be satisfied with the conventional EV look and the sales experience, or will they be looking for something completely different from Tesla? So locally, you're more than twice as likely to see a Tesla here in Ottawa than all other electric vehicles combined. As part of my profession, I do an awful lot of driving around, uh, looking at construction sites and helping out people, and I've been keeping track of all electric vehicles that happen to cross my path. And Teslas are by far um, more prevalent than any other electric vehicle here in town. That includes your Chevy Bolts, your Nissan Leafs, Kia Nero, Kia Soul, your Ford Mach-E, Hyundai Ionics, Hyundai Konas, BMW i3s, and BMW i8s. So if you're kind of a data nerd like I am, uh, I'm seeing a Tesla every 27 kilometers that I'm driving versus other electric vehicles, I'm seeing them one in every 57 kilometers that I'm driving. So of the Teslas that I'm seeing, 73% of them are your Model 3s. The most popular colors are your uh, pearl white multi-coat and your solid black, which makes sense because those were the basic colors uh, that were available at no extra cost at the time. And then the third most favorite color, it seems that uh, here in town, is your midnight silver metallic. All right, so that should pretty much do it for episode two of How I Got My Tesla. I do appreciate the time that you have afforded me by subscribing and downloading this podcast. Please be aware that talking in front of a microphone and doing a podcast is something that is brand new to me, and I'm hoping that the more I do this podcast, the more natural this will end up sounding. So please, I do appreciate everybody's patience in uh, listening to me struggle through this whole podcasting venture. I really do appreciate it. So the hashtag for this episode, I don't have one specific to this episode. So we'll just use the generic hashtag H-I-G-M-T. And if you have any questions for me or any feedback, please feel free to email me at howigotmytesla at gmail.com. As always, you can watch my progress towards a Tesla by visiting howigotmytesla.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram by simply searching for How I Got My Tesla. Thank you for listening. This podcast is produced by Matt Wilson and hosted by Squarespace. Music for this episode is Cascade by Cubby. So that should pretty much do it for episode two of how I got my Tesla. Is that my website?